Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben from the Lean Blog. This is episode number 17 of the Lean Blog Podcast for January 22nd, 2007. Our guest today shouldn't need too much introduction to a lean audience. He is David Meyer, founder of the firm Lean Associates and a former Toyota group leader. Uh, be sure to go check out our website at leanpodcast.org for links to his um, existing book, The Toyota Way Field Book, and a new one also co-authored with Jeffrey Liker called Toyota Talent that's due out in April. Uh, today we'll talk about David's lean observations after a recent trip to China. I'd like to thank our guest, David Meyer, for joining us today on the Lean Blog Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Good to be here. I know you're recently back from China, so I was hoping you could um, tell us what you saw in your travels over there and, and kind of you know, what the state of Lean in China is, or at least from what you saw, and, and what kind of things jumped out at you from the, the perspective of Lean and the Toyota production system. Yeah, actually, I was really... Uh really kind of surprised, both pleasantly surprised, and uh, uh, the fact that uh, the factories that I visited in China were actually in, in pretty good condition. I visited uh, factories that were Chinese-owned, uh, visited factories that were owned by U.S. companies and European companies, and uh, overall they were in, actually in pretty good condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting Interesting thing, though, there's so much activity there that they're facing. Um, in general, they said in the south of China, there's a 5% labor shortage mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also under really intense cost pressures. There's a lot of competition from other com- uh, other countries, uh, Vietnam and India and Turkey, or a few that were mentioned in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's been such a lot of activity uh, Movement into China that uh, it's created some some uh, difficulties there. And then the other thing that was kind of interesting is a lot of struggle with the supply chain side. Um, you know, they they can get the low cost manufacturing, but when uh, companies add up the total cost, they they typically find out that uh, China maybe isn't isn't as great a deal as they anticipated in the beginning. And, and that's from the perspective of companies that are shipping product um, back or over to North America. I'm talking about like you know, outbound supply chain from China to customers or inbound. Well, inbound, chain. Oh, okay. inbound primarily. You know, there's some uh, the internal infrastructure in China isn't uh, isn't as developed. So most of the you know most of the companies are located probably I'm going to guess within a couple hundred miles of of the eastern coast along. Mm-hmm. from Hong Kong up through Beijing. And uh, so you've got just a, a lot of concentration in that area. So there's a lot of competition for labor and that sort of thing. So uh, one company that uh, I visited, they had 160% turnover last year. Wow. Example. So there's just a lot of challenges in that regard. And the general consensus is that the uh, local management capability isn't that strong. So, you know, a lot of companies then, especially the foreign companies, are bringing in uh, their own management, which really adds to the cost uh, as well. It's pretty costly 
to yeah. have uh, you know the foreigners who have to live there. So you know, quite a, quite a number of challenges. Uh, on the lean side, I was, I guess, a little bit frustrated to see that uh, some of the same challenges that we're having here are being uh, duplicated or repeated in in China. And, and I talked about it a little bit on email. Yeah. So, what, what what kind of problems or you know what kind of things did you see that you would consider typical? Well, I, you know what what I think I'm seeing overall in the states and and kind of mirrored in China. For example, in the states now, it's been pretty popular for the last oh I don't know five to ten years really. This Kaizen Blitz mm-hmm. sort of mindset. And I'm starting to see a lot of companies who have been doing that for three to five years, and they're just not getting any long-term satisfaction, uh, and they're not feeling as though they're creating a, a sustainable process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the issues I had mentioned to you was the one factory I went into, um, it was a garment factory, and they were uh, attempting to do single-piece flow on the garment, which is, you know, well and good, but... They they took that idea to such an extreme that they actually had to add thirty percent additional equipment and people in space. And so, you know, the things that that I'm seeing overall are people are kind of missing the point of what really is lean. Yeah. So let, let's. I mean, can we delve into that single piece sure. flow issue? Um, sure. I think that might be of interest to people, um, just as the general lean issue. Uh, was the problem there uh, that normally they w- they would get efficiencies? I, I don't know too much about fabric cutting, but I would imagine uh, with batches you could cut at least a, a few pieces at the same time. Right. And, and is that some of the efficiency that they were well, they, giving you know, up? They, or? They weren't able yet to get the cutting operation down to single piece flow, so it was pretty much the the construction, you know, the mm-hmm. sewing of the individual pieces. Uh, the The problem really is that, of course, flow is a great idea. There's nothing at all wrong mm-hmm. with flow, and, and the pursuit of smaller quantities towards single piece flow is obviously also important. But um, it's the throwing out the baby with the bathwater, you know, pursuing single piece flow to the extreme that uh, you're you're not actually improving the process results. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, you're only looking at trying to create single piece flow, and you're not looking at am I actually improving the performance? Right. So adding thirty percent cost in a very cost competitive environment is is a big problem. So right. these guys they said, well, we don't. We don't see then how lean is going to work in our high high volume product, mm. which I thought was very interesting because I never heard anybody say that. <laughs> right, I heard them say it won't work in the low volume yeah. arena. But they were doing in the low volume side primarily to uh, because of the f- flexibility. You know, changing mm-hmm. from one product to the other on the low volume products made sense. But uh, the, the the problem isn't you know trying to create flows because of some of the elements of the work, the cycle times were such that they didn't balance out with the main body of the shirt, right? So people were waiting at certain Well, and so then they had to try to come up with some other schemes to kind of counteract that, creating some cells and things. And so they, they went from essentially if, if they were doing small batches on some of the uh, 
short cycle time operations, for example, they would have a, a lower waste ratio. The value added to non-value added ratio would have been lower. Mm-hmm. When they went to a cell and they had a person move through operations, right, to try to create single piece flow, right, then they actually incre- increased the waste of those individuals because they were walking more instead of because they were walking more, so, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it, it of course. On some of the items, like a, a pocket, for example, is is a relatively low cost inventory item. So doing some small batching there and trying to um, create a better balance on the line and try to create uh, you know better efficiencies total on the line would right. would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you see the same thing in the states quite often that that people are pursuing some ideal goal and, and they say, oh, well, lean is single-piece flow, and that's really not true. Right? Lean is being able to continuously improve the results of your operation, mm-hmm. right? including the financial so, results. Right. Now, what, what did you see you know, in general about how the, the Chinese manufacturing operations were managed? I mean, I assume you had some discussions with them about um, it rather than pursuing lean tools that they focus on their business goals and objectives. Uh, are, are their goals and objectives um, pretty much the same you would see uh, in a factory here in, in the U.S. or North America? Yes, they are. I, again, I was I was surprised. I mean, we hear that the labor is so inexpensive there. So I was surprised to hear everybody was really focusing on trying to make their operations efficient, um, you know, and, and I didn't see – uh, really excessive amount of labor, but I did see that in some cases, um, there, again, in one other operation I saw, there was this idea of, of flow put together, and, and the way it was put together, really every every person on the line, and there was quite a few, had probably you know 20 or 30% of non-value-added activities because of the way it was structured, mm-hmm. the way that the operation was structured. But, you know, from a from a management standpoint, again, you look and say, well, there's Chinese-owned and Chinese-managed companies, and there's foreign-owned and foreign-managed companies, and then there might be foreign-owned and, and jointly-managed mm-hmm. companies. And I think the general consensus is that the uh, management Skills on the Chinese side are, are still a little weak. Mm-hmm. Right? They're still trying to develop some capabilities. In fact, I, uh, there's a big shortage for anybody out there who's studying industrial engineering. There's a big shortage of industrial engineers in China, mm. and I understood that uh, uh, some of the some of the prominent universities are just actually just beginning to offer industrial engineering programs. Okay, that's interesting because you, you hear a lot about how many engineers are graduating in China, but I, I suppose there must be you know, electrical or mechanical other right. engineering yeah. fields. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that, I mean, again, these are yeah. it's just things that I picked up from people who were who are out there working in industry. Uh, some uh, some folks, yeah. especially especially in southern China, you have to understand that a big, a vast majority of the early development was in the southern part of China. Right, and it's now you know up in the Shanghai area, but down the south near Hong Kong was the first, really kind of the first area. Yeah. So it, it'd be interesting to see, you know, we talk about developing 
management skills, um, will they go down the route of teaching kind of your, your traditional mass production type management skills, or will they teach the things, you know, that, that you write about, for example, in the Toyota Way field book, um, you know, of, of, of lean style management approaches? Um, do you get a sense of, you know, uh, can they learn some of the lean lessons maybe before they, they go down some of the, the, the paths of, of mass production management and some of the problems that come with that? Well, I think that, uh, uh, the companies that are that are setting up there, again, if they're foreign owned, they're probably bringing in their own uh, management philosophies and, and methodologies. Yeah, I, I'm probably that's not a good question for me to answer because I visited uh, the factories that I visited mostly were at least expressing that they were attempting to do lean or that they mm-hmm. were okay uh, working in that direction. Sure, but of course, um, there you know, there's still a lot of the traditional thought process visible. There's, mm-hmm. there's really, I didn't see any factories that I would consider to be models of, of lean in terms of understanding or capability. Yeah. So you, you mentioned, you know, you saw people trying to work on uh, in, improving flow, um, you know, and, and maybe having some cellular manufacturing. I mean, what other, I guess, evidence of at least lean practices did you see people typically trying to start off with and, Maybe, you know, if what if anything was successful in, in starting to get them the, down a lean path? Well, again, I think I think five S was was something that I saw was pretty widespread. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was again, I was kind of surprised the factories were actually in really really good condition. They were clean and and uh, really pretty decent working conditions. And in all cases, and I went to some Chinese owned factories as well. Is that because they were primarily fairly new factories, or just no? Actually, one some of the factories were were fairly old, mm-hmm. um, but you know they weren't they weren't immaculate. But I, again, i've I've seen I've seen worse here in the state yeah. in some cases. So you know, on a, on a comparison basis, they were they were okay. Some were better than others. Some were really really nice and well run. Uh, but the other thing that struck me, Mark, is that, uh, you know, this whole value stream mapping idea, again, I think there's a there's a general uh, lack of understanding uh, about how to use that tool effectively and how to structure a value stream uh, to create, uh, you know, a functional system. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's true here in the States, and it was true in China. I saw some people talking about value stream mapping and, so forth, but in reality, when when I checked to see what what they were referring to, they were they were not quite uh, in the ballpark. And, and what was the problem there? I mean, were they doing value stream maps as the end in, in and of itself, or were they were they not um, looking you know broadly enough across departments? Um, maybe with their value stream, what what kind of? Uh, I think one of the one of the general problems I, I see. Here that I saw there as well is, uh, you know, people can go out and diagram their current operation and make a picture of it. Mm-hmm. Then what they do uh, is put a couple of st- uh, Kaizen bursts on there and identify a particular project that they want to work on. Mm-hmm. So essentially all they've done is identify 
projects, you know, problem areas or something, which you, know, you don't need a map to do that. Sure, you can do that on your own. Yeah, you yeah. can just go out there and say. And really, you can you can see that uh, you know the map was a means to get the projects uh, you know front and center sure. versus really mapping it out and then trying to understand how to create uh, a lean structure, mm-hmm. a lean system in the process. And so this, you know, this is one of the things that uh, actually a little a little plug there. Jeff and I are working on a, another book now that's going to be about systems and really trying to get to that issue of how to design the system correctly mm. and the different elements. For example, if you put in a supermarket and use Kanban's, how do you how do you actually use that to drive continuous improvement versus just use Kanban as a means to manage material. Sure. Because and, really and, 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 yeah, along the line of plugs, I mean, we, on the blog we've, we've mentioned briefly um, an upcoming book, uh, Toyota Talent, yes. coming out when in April. Is that still? Right. Uh-huh. Okay, April 2007. Um, and, and so this book on systems, that's a, a book beyond Toyota Talent that will be coming out yet later. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I don't know exactly when the plan, but it, it could be as late as, in the next year, but maybe in the 08. But yeah, you know, just a, a little side note here. When <clears throat> we did the field book, and uh, it was supposed to be around 280 pages, and as you know, it got quite a bit longer than that. Yeah, and, uh, almost 500. <laughs> almost, almost 500. Sorry about well, that. I but, don't think it was exactly overproduction. I mean, there's a lot of good. Well, stuff. you know, we we went back and forth quite a bit and tried to. to Decide, and we at that time we had really no intention of doing anything else. Yeah. But uh, you know, once we got it finished, I just felt like there was still there was still a few subjects that there was a lot of detail that we weren't able to get into. As you mentioned in your review, you know, there's not a lot about Kanban, for example, and and the role it plays, and you know, there was there was so much uh, more. That uh, and I went back to Jeff and I said, you know, "There's three other subjects that I really think we we need to touch on. One mm-hmm. of those is kind of training and development, so that's the talent one. Yeah. The other one is really kind of understanding the lean systems and how each of those elements really works, and how to how to look at the value stream and how to create really a a system that'll drive continuous improvement, and then." The last piece is uh, problem solving, which which we did quite a bit in the field book, but I think is such an important mm-hmm. part of the Toyota process that we really needed to put more into that and, and A3s and some of the depth there that people are asking about. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, maybe along the lines of um, the Toyota Talent book, which, um, you know, you graciously let me take a look at um, you know, some of the, the, the preview material. Um, for that book, and there, there's a lot of great material in there, um, you know, very detailed about development of standard work and, mm-hmm. and standard work not just as a tool but as a, um, a method for um, continuous improvement and, and supporting the system. Um, I was wondering if, if you could talk about that a little bit, yeah. give us a preview of that material and, and maybe tie it in, you know, if you saw examples, good or bad, of, of that in China. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> didn't, see, didn't see much at all in terms of standardized work in in China, um, 
they're again, you know, the the places that I saw probably in terms of overall lean capability, their depth is not as great as, as what I might see here in the States. But the the real intention of the book was to get to the issue of how do you how do you break down jobs and train people? How do we actually teach people? And you know, for I've been doing consulting for ten years now and probably the number one thing that everyone and every company ever says is we don't do a very good job of training. And so, you know, that's something that Toyota does, I think, overall pretty well. So I wanted to really get into some details there. And, of course, if you're going to break down a job to try to teach someone, you really have to look at the standardization of the job and really break it apart from that standpoint. The two the two go hand-in-hand. Hand. They're, they're separate in a lot of ways, but they're closely related. So, uh, by the way, I appreciate you actually were looking it over to give feedback on how to, how to improve it. So, uh, wasn't wasn't me being gracious and letting you read it. You were actually helping us out, and uh, well, but yeah. yeah, the the jobs. Um, you know, the first problem that folks have, of course, is that a lot of the jobs that are out there are non-repetitive, non-cyclical type jobs, mm-hmm. uh, and folks look at Toyota and assume that Toyota's this repetitive assembly line type operations and so standardized work only applies in those situations and of course um, there are many jobs at Toyota that are non-cyclical in nature or have a different sort of nature than the traditional assembly line you know 55 second tech yeah Uh, trying to to talk about how do you take a more complex job a job for example where a person is tending the machine. You know that's their job, and there's there's not any real cyclical nature to it. And uh, we even got into some healthcare, which is kind of where you helped out mm-hmm. and uh, gave some some advice on healthcare type yeah, jobs. That, that's so particularly some, non-cyclical type work, right? In most there's, cases. There's, I mean, in reality, probably I don't know, eighty percent of the jobs in the world are <laughs> have a lot of non-cyclical type of work in them these days. We're just the way we're asking employees to be involved in, in all kinds of different things. So um, that was that was the tricky part is how do you go about describing that to other people mm-hmm. and trying to create some models that people can relate to and say, okay, well, my work might be similar to, to this type of work, and therefore I can apply some similar concepts. So... Yeah. I'm sure there were some real struggles. I mean, you talk about, at least in that one case of 160% turnover, I can only imagine, I mean, if, if there's not, um, I mean, for one, I, I would hope they're working on reducing that turnover um, or at least, you know, recognizing the, the value in doing that. But, even you know, with that turnover, you could see the how critical it would be to have some good standardized methods for, right. you know, teaching all of those people that are cycling through the factory. Right. Uh yeah, the turnover issue again. That's a it's a complex issue because uh, in the low wage countries, people will change jobs for you know twenty five cents a a day mm-hmm. kind of thing. They'll they'll chase they call it chasing the quarter. Yeah. Um, and so if you're in a very uh, cost competitive environment and you can't afford to increase your wages, then that's one of the 
the downsides. And then, so then folks will relocate their plant in Vietnam to, to chase lower wages. It's, a, it's kind of a big cycle overall. Sure. sure. But yeah, the, I, I tried to use the example of the fast food industry here. And, you know, several years ago, I'd read that the average, uh, term of employment for an employee at, say, McDonald's or Burger King was about 59 days, I think. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they've created a lot of uh, systems internally to help bring people up to speed quickly, to simplify right. the, the jobs. To you know, If you go into any McDonald's, you hear beeps and you see everything's visual and you, know, you put the cup on the machine and push the medium-sized button and it automatically fills it properly and all these types of things to simplify the work. Yeah. I have a friend, had a friend from college who um, was working at McDonald's developing you know, systems for employees, mm-hmm. and they, they said their model was to make it like Nintendo. You know, mm-hmm. These kids had experience with video games, right. and huh. it seemed like their approach is, you know, to accept that turnover, um, trying to, I don't know, dumb down the work, basically. Uh, I, I don't know if you read, there, there was a, a thing I posted on the blog, there was a, a really good NPR story um, about In-N-Out Burger, um, which is a, a West Coast burger chain, and um California and Arizona and, and surrounding states, and they they go completely different model where they're paying you know entry level fast food wages are like nine fifty an hour, mm-hmm. and their goal is to you know have as as low a turnover as they can and have you know committed employees and you know even up to their managers um, you know store managers right. making six figures which is very high for um, for fast food mm-hmm. and, and they've sort of seemed like they're taking that different approach of. Um, realizing that, sure, they've increased their costs, but they, you know, that that one measurable cost, but they're reducing a lot of their training costs. Right. They're, they're improving service, um, creating a better workplace. Um, you know, they're, yeah, they're very successful with that. Yeah, really have to. I think that's that's right on. You have to look at the total cost picture, and you may save a few bucks on the one side of the equation and lose ten on the other side of the equation. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, it's spending a dollar to save a nickel kind of situation and it's not going to work out in the long run. But I think that, uh, you know, the whole area over there in Asia, let's call it Asia, there's a lot of activity going on. There's a lot of involvement. But um, I think, interestingly enough, if you look at the statistics in the last month, uh, if I recall, U.S. manufacturing output has increased and the Chinese manufacturing output uh, had the lowest, was it either the lowest increase or actually a slight decrease. Mm. Wow. So uh, I think, you know, the, the general sense in the States is, oh, my gosh, everything's going to go to China. Right. And, of course, the those of us that are working hard here to try to reduce costs and try to stay competitive would like to disagree. I think there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of potential still in the States in terms mm-hmm. of manufacturing. Um, I think, I think that if we keep working at it, uh, in fact, I hear there's even some, some turnaround in the garment industry, which really, if you look at it, garments left the U.S. probably before any, other industry, mm-hmm. well, you know, the very whole industry, yeah, yeah, and uh, from what I understand, there, there's actually a little bit of a resurgence of that in the states. Some return uh, of some garment industries back to the states for for fast response. I, I would imagine. 
Yeah, I, probably that's that's part of it, but also I think uh, with you know with some lean thinking, really some lean applications, uh, the cost differential then isn't as isn't as great. Again, there's some other cost on the other side of the equation if you go to China. Sure, mm-hmm. the labor's less, but then you're looking at other problems, for example, power, you know, regular power outages or infrastructure type problems, um, you know, just a lot of other issues that when equality challenges, when you look at the, the total equation, right. if, if you run a business here that's efficient and working uh, on continuously improving the results, mm-hmm. I think when you look at the total equation, um, you can come out ahead. Well, good. Well, let, let's go ahead and end on that that real positive, um, hopeful note for uh, for lean thinkers here here in the U.S. who are, you know, listening to this, thinking about competing against China. Um, um, any? Do you have any final concluding thoughts um, for us, Dave, about your trip to China, or you know, any, any concluding lean thoughts? Well, uh, it was you know it was very exciting uh, to go. China, I like to go see different things and mm-hmm. see what's going on. But uh, now, uh, my concluding thought is just to thank you. I, I do appreciate the effort on the blog. I don't, uh, I don't get to check in on it every day, uh, but I do fairly often and see some articles that are of interest. Especially, I like your uh, your rants and raves about travel. <laughs> <laughs> especially enjoyed the one. I feel like those the are Chicago and the car rental. I've had that uh, very similar experience. Yeah. So. Anyway, there's a lot of good information there. I well, try to uh, try to tell folks I'm working with to check the blog and see it. And actually, people are now asking me, uh, "Hey, are you the guy on that blog?" And I said, "Well, I think there was some information there." But yeah, well, we we got you on there once, and and hopefully, you know, you can participate there uh, some more. Would look forward to that, and hopefully, yeah, we can talk sure. again for uh, another podcast, especially when the the new book is coming out. We can let let people okay, know about that, great. maybe ask you some questions and get some interaction. So I right. definitely appreciate you being here and, and sharing your experiences uh, about lean in China. It was great. Okay, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.